This is a topic-based podcast, so each episode we're going to tackle a different issue facing board games, the people who play them, and their industry. Our topic for today, we're behind the scenes of creating content. Hello everybody, welcome to Tabletop Inquisition to another exciting episode. Hey! <laughs> Hi Oliver, how are you doing? I'm alright, Antoinette, how are you today? I'm not too bad, I'm not too bad. Um, so what have you been up to lately? Anything exciting to report? Go straight in, yeah. Um, yeah. What have I been up to? I was, I was trying to trying to work out what I have been up to, actually. Um, no preamble so we've been, here. We've both been busy, actually. Um, both of us have been recording a couple of interviews with people, so yeah. they're they're coming out very soon, hopefully. Still, some of them are still being edited. Yeah. Uh, which was quite different, I think, quite a different experience. Um, yeah. But I th- I thought they went really well. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. And obviously, once they come out, we'd love to hear from everyone what what you guys think. Uh, so yeah. let us know. Exactly. But other than that, yeah, I've been um, also doing more recording now. So mm. I used to do uh, or try to do videos of reviews and things, but mm. I, that's a huge amount of work. So mm. I've now decided to actually focus on my blog again and Excellent. write reviews on my topics like I've been doing mm-hmm. and then record those because doing audio mm. recording and editing is a hell of a lot quicker and easier. That's and cool. um, I think well, by the time you hear this, I've probably had a, a few releases now. So I'm, I'm literally doing the um, topic a post on a Tuesday like I still do. Mm-hmm. And I will release the podcast version of that at the same time. And then the review on Saturday again with the podcast version of that. Because mm-hmm. I think it's it's for some people who just like to listen to it. Um, they can listen to it on, you know, in their car or whatever. And or, you know, on the bus, wherever they are. Um, and for others who prefer the reading, um, they can do that. And I think that's hopefully a good compromise and people enjoy that so that's really sort of the biggest things i've been up to in the professional life other than playing games obviously you know having the games (laughs) nights and things still which is fun how about you that's 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 i must say it's a really cool idea actually um as someone who enjoys reading but doesn't get to do it as much as i would like i think it's a really nice option to offer people that you could just listen to it instead um and also you've got a really nice voice so it's really easy to listen to you read things so that sounds really (laughs) it sounds sounds really appealing doesn't it it's a a cool idea um i hope i hope lots of people give it a go and see what they see what they think yeah i hope so we'll see see what happens It's interesting, you know, it's a good way. It's a good way to stand out for sure. Yeah. So what have I been doing? It's been yes. a really busy couple of, couple of weeks for me. I started doing some reading of people's rule books and kind of editing them and giving them feedback and really been enjoying that. So that's been really fantastic. Nice, and yeah. I also had a week's holidays, which turned out not to be much of a holiday because <laughs> it was really, really busy. And I don't know about you, but I find it really difficult to switch off from kind of all yeah. the board game media stuff um, when you're supposed to. So like I yeah. spent the week just like taking pictures of photos and going, I haven't posted anything yet today, I, you know. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure I'm entirely addicted or that I found that it was necessary, but I think it's just really a habit. You know, yeah. when you just get in yeah. a pattern of doing things like that, I find it really weird to play a game and not take out my camera and try to take some nice shot of it and then use it later (laughs) but um yeah so something's been busy the usual stuff reviews and whatnot and of course you know doing all these fabulous interviews with you yes they've been really really different it's weird having to deal with people you don't really know but you want to ask questions of yeah (laughs) but um we we had some really really cool people to talk to um i hope people um, like those episodes as much as i liked making them i think they were really insightful so yeah, that's what I've been I up think to. so. Yeah, I think <laughs> the interviews went really well, and I mean, I like what you've uh, been saying about uh, rule books as well. So that's mm. obviously something you're looking into more, and uh, that should should be quite exciting as well to do that side of things, I, not just uh, playing, but 
obviously mm. if you've been playing games you know really what you expect from a rule book so that's pretty good <laughs> yeah i think so anyway it's definitely it's definitely been something that i'd like to look into a little bit more i'm re- really only starting out this stuff um but yeah it would be a cool it would be a cool way to go doesn't everybody want to have like their hobby be their job yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know there's a lot a lot, a lot of people would love would love to be able to do that so if i can get even a tiny tiny slice of that that would be incredible but i doubt it <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> never know good. just have to try don't you you do have to try you do have to try so obviously the the next book most important question we usually talk about at the start of the podcast is what games you've been playing games yes so what, what have you been up to at your your game nights and stuff this i'm so is. jealous of your game nights i would love one <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> quite, me a game night i'm quite lucky with that I, I do enjoy it but i also enjoy playing with my wife we've been playing you know quite a lot obviously with with some of the work we've been mm-hmm. doing on the podcast and things and i've been doing on the blog uh, it's actually been less but when we do play my wife and i still love wingspan as I say, I don't know how many mm. dozens of times we've played it now, but it's still <laughs> so much fun. And and even just sometimes just outside, because weather has been really nice. We've been sitting outside on a small table and, you know, to play, you can actually squeeze it onto mm. a relatively small table and, and have a lovely game. So cool. that's that's been good fun. Also, mm. obviously, in the games group, I've been doing various games. What have we been playing? We've been playing The Blessed Dark, which just come uh, from Kickstarter, oh. the another Mintin game that he, um, Nathan, has I think, well, on Kickstarter, is actually only shipping to the US. So he was very nice to help me get it over to the UK as well. So I'm, I'm really pleased to play that. And it was actually great success. Uh, he could send me a copy while the Excellent. Kickstarter was still going. And a friend of mine backed it because of that, because he knows someone in the US is going to have mm-hmm. it shipped there and they're going to ship it over. So that's sort of cool. a relatively simple game, I'd say, but a lot of fun. It's It's dice placement. So you roll your dice. But also deck building, so you draw cards and, and try and play cards and sort of build a tableau as well, tableau building as well. <laughs> I know the term Yay. now, so it's yeah. You know to recognise it in the wild, exactly. <laughs> and you know, given that I love Mintin games, so that that's obviously it was a big mm, selling point. I'm thinking, cool. what else have been playing Wingspan other bits? But yeah, lots of smaller games. I think we started now enjoying mm. quick, fun games rather than playing one long game. And that's been really nice just to have mm. lots of fun and actually be able to talk as well. Because if you play a heavy game, you Yay. can't really, you're focusing on the game, you can't really talk. Whereas with the smaller games, you can <laughs> actually have a chat and, and talk about things. So that was good. Have you been playing many cool. games recently? Yes. <laughs> um, as, as, I, as mentioned previously, um, I had a week's holidays and I was determined to get through my shelf of shame over the Yay. holidays because it's been it's been bugging me because we've been we've been making we make a lot of trades. So a lot of games that, you know, weren't weren't brand new, but they were new to me. So you don't feel the pressure when they're not wrapped in cellophane yeah, yeah, yeah. to play them. That's what I find anyway. So they're, they're kind of saddled up. So um, my husband's very proud of this figure. But in the space of a week, we played 22 new games wow. um new to us games yeah. so as you can imagine <laughs> i play i play i played a lot of games and to be fair they were all pretty great um i had a couple of standouts i suppose i'll talk about the first one i will talk about is i always get i got two games both with tokyo in the title and i get them <laughs> right. muddled i confuse tokyo highway yeah. and tokyo metro despite them being very different games <laughs> tokyo highway is a little two-player dexterity game with tiny cars yeah and tokyo metro is this beautiful big 
Euro game is the best way to put it. And it and it blew me away. I haven't had that much fun with the game in a really long time. Oh, good. It comes, um, so it is a, a, a map of the underground in Tokyo, the metro line. And what you do is you buy into particular train lines okay. and train stations to make yeah. money. So it really reminds me, it's like one of the, it's basically like a stock game, a money-making game. But it's so beautifully made. It comes with a cloth um, board, which is the first cloth oh, nice. board I yeah. think I have. Um, and all these really beautiful kind of heavy pieces. And the, like you get to do things in a round where, you know, you would buy stations and you sell money and stuff. But the best part was making your train run through its track. Nice. Yeah. And it was, it would be like, oh, oh, I get money when it goes here. I get money when it goes there. You get money from this one. And it was just... Oh, it was just such a delight. And I don't think I've had a game kind of make me feel like that in a really long time. So I'm that's probably going to be one of my games of the year right. is um, Tokyo Metro. Okay. And it comes in a teeny tiny box to <laughs> top it all off. So that was fantastic. Good, yeah. What have a small box game really, then. Yes, it is a small box game. You're very yeah, right. And yeah. it, it rolls up tiny because the board is cloth. Like yeah. you sent small box <laughs> games miles away. There you go. <laughs> you got like a sixth sense for small box games. Um, I got to play Gentes as well. Um, so Gentes, here's me with all the, the heavy euros. <laughs> I kind I kind of don't care. <laughs> I do love a good heavy euro. And so Gentes is kind of like a civilization game, and you build up wonders as you play it. It's yeah. Car- it's kind of it's card. It's a tableau builder. <laughs> it also has a, a map and things like that. And normally i'd find something like that kind of dry but i really really liked the way it worked there was just something really um cool about it It was really satisfying to play right and the minute i finished it i was like oh if i played again i know i do this this and this and i always think that's a sign of a really really good game when you walk away after it's going yeah oh i should have done this differently or i should have done this differently all right yeah another game that really made me think about my decisions afterwards was twilight struggle um and it's a game set during the cold war and really it's about controlling different areas of the map but the way it uses a deck of cards is really interesting because they're all real life events that happened and so you have to basically decide how to use them at the right times and the scoring cards are ones you have in your hand yeah so you can like plan accordingly um and i wasn't sure i was gonna like it it's a two-player only game it's basically a war game I was like, I'm not so sure, but I have to say, I really, the way it's mm-hmm. designed is very clever and it didn't feel very, you know, oh, I'm out to get you and you're out to get me. It felt very, very subtle. Yeah. As in, I'm just going to take one of your cubes away from here, one of your chairs or whatever, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, and the minute I finished it, I was like, I want to play this again. And this time I'm not going to try and take over Europe because <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible strategy, apparently. And I, lo- I love when a game makes you think like that. I always think that's a, such a good game. So, um, yeah, that's, that's some of what I got to. Gosh, Gosh yeah. my head might explode if I think about it anymore. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was a, it was a really good time, and it's I can finally sit here and say that I have no games I need to play right now. Yay! <laughs> so you can replay Yay. games, games that you've so, yeah. played, you can play them again now. That's good. <laughs> finally, That's I've been trying to do that for forever. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe does anybody else feel guilty about the games that you know you don't you haven't got to yet? Because I I do. Yeah, Generally, do it weighs upon me, and so it's very nice to just go finally I can play the games I I have like I've wanted yeah. to for a long time. yeah so yeah so yeah been very busy with your heavy games i mean things like tokyo metro sounds a bit like an 18xx game as well with all the stocks and the trains Mm, moving about and all that and then obviously twilight struggle the sort Mm. of historic game is 
I think it's it's great when it does teach you a bit yeah. of history as well. Mm-hmm. So if if it's done well, I think it it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. But I, I know I'm, I'm like you. I, I don't know whether I would like to play a war mm-hmm. game as such. So it, it really depends on the subject That's matter true. how it's done. Mm-hmm. So, no good. Exciting. So shall we jump on to our wonderful game terminology? I think we should. <laughs> this this should be entertaining, shouldn't it? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we're very good at game terminology. Uh, as past episodes have proven. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think I we're getting better. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all learn something from this. You know, yeah, uh, I think no, I say definitely. this every time we record this. <laughs> yeah, because you know, it seems like it seems like an important thing we're doing. To be honest. I think so. We had some feedback as well, some positive feedback. I think people like that mm. we explain some of the terminology. Or make it a Because you know, if people listen to this who don't know too much about games, then you know, explaining mm. what this is all about and what yeah. all these things mean is helpful. So yeah, that's true. That's true. We're, we're providing a service. We do. <laughs> we do provide a service. All right. So our first game term of the day is push your luck. Okay. What I think a push your luck game is. <laughs> It's usually a game where you come to a choice you have to make and you can continue with what you're doing for great benefits, but also for terrible outcomes. So you're you're put, you're at the choice where if you take another step, it could be good, it could be bad, and you have to kind of make those kinds of choices. So that I think that is push your luck game. Yeah. That's my my guess at it is. Um and my example of a push your luck game would be i don't actually i don't think i own many of these because they normally annoy me (laughs) (laughs) would be something like um the quacks of quidlinburg yes which is a game where you have a a pot in front of you and you take out ingredients and you want to put out as many ingredients as possible without making your pot explode so obviously you want to get as close as possible without it happening and that that's the element of push your luck how far will you go yeah so yeah, that's what that's what I think a push your luck game is. Yeah, I think I like your definition very much. So I don't know what I can add to this <laughs> as usual, but I think I think one important element usually is there is actual luck. Uh, sometimes it's a deck of cards that you're drawing from. Sometimes you take something oh. out of a bag. Sometimes you're rolling dice. And obviously the classic sort of games like mm. poker or uh, I don't know blackjack and some of the sort of you know Yahtzee style games. They're in a way they are push your luck. Um, Obviously, with things like poker and other card games, you can probably work out how many cards are still left. And if you're really good at it, you can obviously work out the odds. When it comes to things like dice rolling, you know, every dice roll is different. So, again, it's very random. That So there's an element of how random something is and how much control you have over your luck. And also, I think a lot of the push luck games are about, mm-hmm. you know, if you push your luck more, then you're doing that because someone else as well. So especially when you're talking about Quacks of Quedlingburg, it depends on what the other player's doing sometimes. So you might <laughs> stop because they're stopping, or you might go, well, actually, they're carrying on, so I have to carry on to get points as well. So there's, in those situations, quite often, you know, mm-hmm. you're pushing your luck because of someone else is or isn't doing it. So I think there's that element of that but other than that yes it's all about what it says in the tin really it's it's, Mm. there's an element of luck and you're trying to risk more and more so the more you push it the higher the rewards but the higher the risk of losing it all as well so and yeah a Mm -hmm. game that has an element in there and i think again that some games are purely pushy luck others a bit more of a mix and i was thinking of mystic veil has a pushy luck Mm. element in it so even though it's a well it's a card building rather than a deck building game but technically i suppose a deck building game 
as you draw cards, uh, mm. you can decide whether you're going to carry on and what they call spoil your field, i.e. basically you sort of lose your turn, uh, or whether you're going to stop there because you've got enough you know, ready to, to do your turn. So the, 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 the card drawing part of it is a pushy luck element, even though the game itself is probably more like a deck building game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think other than that, so that's yeah. that's what it is. And I have to say, I, I kind of left out the idea of luck in my definition. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's clearly, it's clearly important. A part of it has to be at luck or at least yeah. at random what happens next. Because otherwise you're not pushing anything, are you? You're just playing the odds. <laughs> well, so it depends. If, if you think of good poker players, mm. they, they tend to sort of, you know, count cards, and that's why like card counting is not yeah. allowed in a lot of casinos and things <laughs> like that. So there is yeah. it's not necessarily an element of pure luck, mm. but there's also an element of managing risk and things like that. So mm, it depends on what, what the what the mechanism is. I really like that. Okay, so the board game geek definition. <laughs> um, uh, here we go. So it's games where you repeat an action or part of an action until you decide to stop due to increased or not risk of losing points on your turn. Okay. Press your luck games include both risk management, there you go, and risk valuation games, in which risk is driven by the game mechanisms and valuing how much other players value what you also want, respectively. Oh, good. I mm. like the thing about you repeating the same action, which is true. And in all of these games, you're mm. drawing another it card, you're rolling the dice again, you're you pulling some out of yes. the bag. So it's not like you're doing different actions every time. It's yeah. just the same one again and again and again mm -hmm. until you have to decide whether there's no too risky or not. So I like that part of it. Yeah. I I also like the idea of, um, and it's what you said too, which is depending on what other people are doing, it will determine how much, how risky you feel like being. Yeah. Um, so it's all very, you know, relational to who's around you yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And that's really true as well. It's not always just you by yourself. Even in Quacks of Quiddlenburg, you'll see how far other people have gone in their pots. Yeah. Especially actually in the final round of that, where you're supposed to um, do reveal everything in your pots at the same time. So you can see, you, you know, what yeah, your yeah, yeah. opponent yeah. is up to kind of idea. So yeah, I think but, actually that's quite a good thing. But, but even in between, so, so say you are quite far behind point wise, you might take more risks to try and catch up after each round if you like mm -hmm. so you can see even if you don't know what the actual player yeah. is doing you can see well i'm so far behind i have to take more risk now to try and catch up so or you might not mm -hmm. you might decide actually going to play it safe now so it's it's, yeah. it's that as well so and the other thing in here is oh. called is called press your luck rather than push your luck so that's another way of calling yes. the same thing so I, w I wonder if people think of kind of push your luck or press your luck games very highly i don't um it's not something that comes up very often you know and kind of the the big games and things like that it's kind of an unusual mechanic to see isn't it yeah um, yeah but like I'm, tr I'm, tr I'm trying to think of how many of how many games i've come across that have it apart from quacks and that's a quite a new game but before that I don't know. I just it doesn't seem to be overly popular. No, I think it, a lot of it, as I say, yeah. is probably connected to gambling, and I think that always is sort of mm, negative connotations, true. unfortunately. Uh, so maybe that you know was popular yeah. mm -hmm. very long ago, and and now maybe it's coming back because actually just <laughs> a part of the game rather than the whole game. So maybe yeah. that's why. I don't know. That's, that's true. just one idea. Mm -hmm. So what's what's next on the what's list? What's next on the list? Um, <laughs> There's two terms that are related, but I'm going to call it deck building. Yes, um, there's also the opposite <laughs> deck destruction, but that's literally just the opposite of deck building. So again, my definition of deck building, uh, unprepared as I always am, <laughs> is any Yay. basically have, well, I was going to say you have a shared deck of cards, but that's not necessarily true, but usually have, have cards. Obviously, it's a deck we're talking about. Mm. And uh, you, you draw from either your own deck mm. or shared deck or something, uh, uh, cards that you then replace with put, 
I'm trying to think. There's so many different ways of approaching this, unfortunately. There's so many different ways of doing it. So one way potentially is you draw a card (laughs) and then you have to discard a card. And you're trying to obviously decide which cards you keep to to improve your deck. So each each card will have a certain ability or value or or something that's positive to your advantage or maybe a card that's powerful to to, disadvantage Mm -hmm. someone else. There's other games where you um, play cards to to a certain value that allow you to then buy more powerful cards and things like that. So again, you're building your deck. So it it really depends on the extra mechanism, Mm -hmm. but it's all about having usually a starting hand of cards that have certain abilities or powers or values that you're trying to improve over time. And then the flip side to that as well is that, and that's where Mm -hmm. deck destruction sort of plays in as well, is what they call thinning your deck. So in in some games, you want to actually replace the worst cards with better cards so in some games they literally just make your deck bigger and bigger and bigger you're getting more 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 and more cards mm-hmm. and you until you have you know a huge deck but you still have less yeah. powerful cards so mm-hmm. what you're trying to often in, in a lot of these games you're trying to do is get rid of these less powerful cards so you then end up with a really powerful cards in your hand mm-hmm. and then as i say decks destruction is sort of the opposite so you're probably starting mm-hmm. with a with a, a deck of cards and you're trying mm-hmm. to get rid of cards to uh win in in some way whether it's the first player has no cards left in the hand or you know there might be negative scores you, you're trying to get rid of and things like that mm. and i think the classic example that comes to my, my mind is star realms as a deck building game i think that <laughs> probably is the most popular that i can certainly think of mm-hmm. what about you antoinette okay. what do you think about deck building what's your definition i have to say that was the <laughs> that was a mighty fine definition i'll tell you that Thank i you. was sitting there going in my head again i'll mention this bit <laughs> And then you went and you said Sorry. it. I was like, okay, okay. Like for me, deck building is obviously you're trying to you're trying to con- construct a deck of cards. Um, and as you pointed out, that you're starting out with a particular set and you want to improve what you put into your deck and to make your deck better as you go along. I love that you talked about thinning your deck. That's such an important thing. Yeah. I think that people forget in deck builders. Now, having more cards doesn't always mean it's better. You want better quality of yeah. cards and more, so you're more likely to draw them when you've a, a smaller deck so yeah i think you you really you really covered everything you're just trying to essentially build a good deck from what is already in your deck yeah sometimes you'll get to buy things from tableaus to add into your deck but usually you'll have to use you know what cards you already have given for me the example and i thought you were going to steal it from me um was dominion as the original deck builder actually the game that got me from being a magic player into a board game player so it's kind of like the granddaddy of yeah. of deck building. That if you want to get something really extreme when it comes to deck building, I highly recommend <laughs> Millennium Blades. Okay, um, which is a game, which is which is a game where you role play that you are a card game player like a ccg collectible card player and you build decks and you go to tournaments and the box is full of cards and the entire game is deck building building building. (laughs) yes exactly um it's hilarious um so if you're really into deck building that's probably where you want to go so what's the real definition then i I think we've covered it all there's no way bgg will surprise us now i I think we have i i I like do you think um where you know it's 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 about the drawing and and the sort of the the frequency of when you get a good card so that's that's good it's it's sort of again it's sort of the the, in a way push your luck in a way there's sort of an element in the in the sense of you know you have have a deck of cards and you don't (laughs) Mm -hmm. know how good your hand will be so you're Mm -hmm. trying to thin to get rid of the bad ones yes so Mm -hmm. the bgg definition then is Mm -hmm. deck building or pool building refers to a collection of related mechanisms so it's obviously several things a bunch of things players have a personal pool or collection of cards or tokens 
that provide different actions on and or resources. A subset of those cards or tokens are randomly drawn each turn. Mm -hmm. And an important aspect of the game lies in managing the contents of the pool by adding and removing cards or tokens over the course of the gameplay, often through the very actions provided by the cards or tokens yeah. themselves. Mm -hmm. So over time, players build decks pools that are more and more specialized and effective towards some purposes, typically including mm -hmm. claiming victory objectives. Deck mm -hmm. and pool building may be the central mechanism of a game or maybe one part of a larger system, which I think is true yeah. for all mechanisms. They might be the, yeah. the main thing of the game or they might just a part. But I, I really like this this idea that you know they're talking about effectiveness. So it's, yes. it's not necessarily more powerful mm -hmm. as such, but is more effective, maybe more efficient. Um, so you, yeah. you're having a, a deck that does does whatever it needs to do best. Yeah, it's interesting that deck building isn't actually about building a deck. It's about building an efficient deck <laughs> yeah. or a yeah. deck that has a purpose um, rather than yeah. just a collection of cards. You know, and I wonder if that's the difference actually just between a deck and having a pile of cards is that one is something yeah. that you have curated in a sense or put together in a particular way. So, yeah, um, that, that makes sense. It's hmm. quite a hefty definition, but I suppose it, it was necessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as, yeah, that's why I think we're struggling because there's so many different ways that deck building can work. But, but the core thing is about yeah, having a deck that becomes more effective in some way, whatever that may be. Because obviously the theme yeah. is different, you know, whether you're paying for things, whether you're attacking things, whether, you know, th mm. there's so many different ways of having a deck ways. builder. So very true uh, yeah. very true i do like deck building i think it's one of my favorite type of games but i'm very very picky about it so i've had a number <laughs> of deck builders and very few of them have survived the test of time <laughs> which, which is it which is a shame so you come from the magic the gathering background so you, you mm. like the, the deck yeah. you know having card yes. games so you probably have quite a lot of demand <laughs> on what a proper deck builder should look I like i do i know right it's terrible because it ruins so many games because <laughs> you're like why isn't it like this the rules aren't like that timing it's completely off yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> it would not, it'd be nice if it was if i was less less picky but um sorry unfortunately that's the way i'm built that's fine <laughs> <We're still working laughs> you're allowed you're allowed to have something that you'd specially value oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> so our final um definition of the day um this one's really self-explanatory um is it <laughs> i certainly wonder why you're here um and this would be um dungeon crawler okay so uh, a dungeon crawler would be a game in which which you move through a dungeon um, and normally this would be room by room um, so you usually maybe be a group of adventurers you'll um, you'll have equipment and things and you'll fight monsters and you'll progress your way through the dungeon to either kill a boss perhaps or escape the dungeon or something like that but the entirety of your board gaming experience is going to be inside of a dungeon and there are lots of ways to approach this type of game um, I have to say that there are card type games that you can be in a dungeon with yeah. like dungeon raiders yeah <laughs> they use oh, by the way dungeon crawlers normally have like the most original titles ever <laughs> um so it's just it's just like dungeon raiders yeah or one deck dungeon or <laughs> the big granddaddy i suppose has to be gloomhaven when yeah. it comes to dungeon yeah. crawlers that's probably the the most well known but it too is a the only thing that sets it apart from maybe other dungeon crawlers is the fact that it's kind of a legacy element that you continue through a campaign yeah but that okay that, that, i think that's it for dungeon crawlers i'd love <laughs> to see you add something to that um, I, think, I think the only yeah, <laughs> what do you think I think no that's again very good very thorough as you say there isn't really much to the term it, it just says it's it's a dungeon as long as you know what a dungeon is um, and what crawling means you, you know what that means but I think the only thing you maybe you did miss was about picking up <laughs> items usually along the way I think that's one of the key things 
yeah, that's and, true. And you obviously mm-hmm. have that in the yeah. traditional computer games where you're literally just moving through a dungeon and you're jumping over things and you're attacking mm-hmm. things uh, and you're picking up items because yeah. they give you money or they give you health or whatever it may be, some sort of power ability. But mm-hmm. other than that, you're, you're absolutely right. The, yeah. the only other thing I was thinking as well is a lot of the, I think, classic role-play games were more or less dungeon crawlers mm-hmm. because in the early days it was about yeah. you know there's a group of you who enter a dungeon and fight mm-hmm. monsters and pick things or, f- or try and free someone yeah. uh, then you have games like hero quest which you know technically is a dungeon crawler yeah. it's it's again you know you're exploring things and you have a dm there you know yeah, no. so yeah, there, there's all of that <laughs> in there as well but yeah i mean as, as an example i mean That's i cool. mentioned hero quest but uh the one dungeon crawler mm. which i think is sort of flips it all on the test which i like is boss monster which is a card game where you are actually oh. the end mm. of level boss you know the, the dungeon boss and you're trying to attract heroes mm-hmm. into your dungeon and try and kill them so it's the sort of flipping it, the roles around but in a way that is also that uses the dungeon crawler theme but obviously it's not really a dungeon crawler in that sense actually i'm just going to catch you for a second i like yeah. what you were saying actually about um, role-playing games and stuff like that do you, do you ever play role-playing games yourself i haven't for for many many years now i used to play probably in our teenage years when when some of the early systems came mm. out but a lot of the games i remember was literally cool. you'd do like squared paper and you draw your dungeon in the squares to try and define where <laughs> yeah. everything is and it's all very defined <laughs> and you can't go anywhere else whereas obviously mm-hmm. modern role-play games are almost well they are open world games you can go anywhere and do anything so they're they're much less dungeon crawl now they're much more mm-hmm. it's just simulations of you know worlds yeah. and, and ideas and and you know open world systems mm-hmm. really which is another term you might have to define oh, open world okay. systems or open world games <laughs> <laughs> so at some point oh, yeah sandbox games isn't it yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> open world system sandbox, yeah. um right so definition for dungeon crawler from board game geek Okay. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Burger Geek doesn't have a definition for a dungeon crawler. Maybe it's just too obvious. Do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, you'd think there would be something in there because there's like, so much history behind the term, I think. And, you know, a lot of the modern board games yeah. sort of hark back to the original idea of, of a dungeon crawler. Mm. So it's a shame, really, that there isn't mm. more in it. But as you say, maybe it's just too obvious. It's not worth really defining because everyone should know what it means. I wonder if you're right that it's got more roots in role-playing games than it does in board games and that's why it's not listed there yeah because it was only when you said that I was I was like god dungeon crawler really that is a role it really is a role-playing term isn't yeah it? yeah um that we've just adopted onto board games Correct, yeah. um so maybe maybe that's the case maybe. oh yeah that's cool so that that like wrap, wraps up our, our three definitions for today yes no, we can move <laughs> on to discussing the the most important topic of the day talking about behind the scenes yeah. and what it will mean so we'll move on to that now <laughs> so our topic for today is well we, we call it behind the scenes mm. but basically we're going to talk about some of the technical and sort of processes and things that we're doing for all the stuff that we're doing mm. as well what they call content creators <gasps> I, like I like to call them press now but you know whatever yeah. you want to call it basically people who make blogs write blogs who make podcasts who make mm-hmm. videos yeah. or other stuff who, who work within the tabletop games industry mm-hmm. i love that title press i i'm totally press. adopting that can <laughs> we just call ourselves the press I, I i like you know the tabletop inquisition press 
I think it's got a great ring, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you go to an exhibition, you, you get a press pass, true. you know, even if you're not like a, you know, huge publication or mm-hmm. anything like that. Very so true. I think press is fair. Definitely, yes. We'll, we'll see what others think. Let us know in the comments below whether you think we should be press or content creators or something completely yeah. different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I know as, as, as someone who, crea- who creates content, and I'm using my inverted commas here, yeah. I love hearing how other people make their things because there's always something to learn or always something you kind of wish you knew yeah i think it's interesting to hear about the processes behind it so i think it's part of the reason why i wanted to talk about this today hopefully it'll be helpful to anybody starting out or thinking about doing it to hear what kind of goes into mm. making episodes and written reviews and and podcasts and whatnot so yeah cool. shall we start with podcasts then because that's something we do because we're on together one. yeah exactly <laughs> yes yes yeah it's something we do together <laughs> uh, i do think podcasts is a very very um, unique way of getting to people like lots of people like to listen to things while they're moving around and stuff I think it's a really cool way to learn about new things because yeah videos are fairly popular I suppose podcasts are popular nowadays too aren't they but you can't always take people's reviews with them everywhere Mm. and it's one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast was to be able to collaborate with somebody for a start because podcast is a great way for like you and i don't live in the same country um yeah. and otherwise we wouldn't be able to make things together right it's it's so yeah i think yeah. podcasts are special like that no matter your distance as long as you've got good internet speeds you know you can make a podcast yeah i was gonna say the technology is out there and and mm. as you said more and more people actually listen to podcasts and there are more, and more podcasts out there and it's it's ideal for people mm. to listen in the car you know i download podcasts onto my phone and listen to them on the bus journey to work and back so mm. You know, it's it's yeah. it's quite often easier than watching a video or reading a review because you know listening is so. is something you know you can do while you're doing something else. You know, you're doing the housework, mm-hmm. whatever it is, so you might just have have the yeah. radio on. People have the radio on, so podcasts are very mm-hmm. similar to that. But as you say, technology is what makes all of this work. Mm-hmm. And maybe let's start with the tool we're using at the moment called sure. Zencaster, yes. which is z e n c a s t r dot com. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the description, obviously, as always. All yeah. the links will be there. And I know some people don't like Zencaster. Uh, a lot of people say it's it's bad quality, and and it's it can be definitely. I think mm. it highly depends on the the internet connection that people have mm. that record on it. But it's you know we've been using it a lot now, and I think yeah. for the you know great majority the quality is pretty good. There might be the odd mm-hmm. bits where it cuts out slightly, but it's certainly a lot better than using something like Skype. Yes. So <laughs> the other option of doing it than a shared tool is using Audacity or some other audio recorder. Mm-hmm. system that you have on your computer so everyone then records themselves which means you have mm-hmm. to sometimes tell someone if they're not very technical what they need to do maybe they have to download software and all that so mm-hmm. it tends to be a bit more involved getting it right yeah. but means that the quality is obviously then 100 percent because there's no internet issues you then might still use skype or something to yeah. actually do the communication but you record mm-hmm. the audio so you have the, the best quality you can possibly get yeah but we've we've decided to use Zencast, and I think yeah. it's worked really well for us, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah, we've we've gone through kind of a couple of a series of things because we started out, I think, with Skype, didn't we? And that was wasn't amazing. And yeah. then we recorded ourselves with Audacity, and then you have the problem of having to send you the files. Yeah. Um, and then somebody has to assemble them into one piece. So we used to have to like count ourselves in as we talked yeah. and be like one, two, three, talk, <laughs> um, and things like that to keep it to keep it all together. Um, this system is great because all of 
cover is the techie one of our duo. Thank you. Um, so I just show up <laughs> and he hits buttons and things happen. And I can see, and also you can see when each other is talking, which is really, really cool. And you can see how long you've been recording for. Um, and it's really simple. You just click on a link and you fill in your name and, and there, there, there we are. So I, I, I like the Zencaster app. I think it's kind of helped a lot with our our, po- our podcasting yeah. experience <laughs> no definitely and it's a lot easier for the guests as well as you say they just click on a link they don't have to worry mm-hmm. about much all they have to worry about is, is the microphone ideally some headphones mm-hmm. as well so you don't get feedback and you don't yeah. you know have bleed of, of mm-hmm. other audio tracks going into it yeah. but that's true however you record it but yeah as i say you just just click on it and then someone else i me yeah. presses the button to start recording stop recording <laughs> and yeah. and from my perspective as well as Antoinette said it's a lot easier than to put the tracks together because they're already synced for you or, or yeah. virtually. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to adjust them a tiny yeah. bit, whereas with uh, sort of the individual recording, you then have to send them to someone, but mm-hmm. then you also have to line them up in your audio, audio editing software. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a lot harder. So when we actually make a podcast episode, I think the, the, the here's here's kind of the steps I suppose we go through. So the first thing is we decide, okay, we're going <laughs> we're going to make an episode. <laughs> and then we put together our, our show notes. So we've a kind of a, a structure at this point it took us a while to get our structure down but we have, we obviously have a structure now to the show and then we go about so we, we normally have our notes together we collab we collaborate together you know with, with google magic um and that way um you can leave the notes sit for a week so you can think about anything you might want to add or any questions we have because of course you know we can't sit down and talk to each other we have to kind of we have to put every we've put everything together separately i know i have quite a lot of fun preparing for the episodes because I, I like thinking about what we're going to talk about so I can yeah. have it planned out and things like that. And we like to have a series of questions and things with us, um, you know, as kind of as a, as as backup, yeah. right? Because um, you you can't guarantee that there isn't there isn't going to be like you know a silence or we don't know what to say. Um, especially when it comes to interviewing people, it's nice to have like that that safety net, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So we get all our notes and stuff together, and then on the the day of the podcast, obviously, as you mentioned, we've we've headphones and things like that. I've only recently come to headphones because it was necessary. <laughs> And what kind of microphone actually do you use? Oh gosh, I, I don't know. I don't actually what it is. Hang on, I can't see it because it's it's behind the pop filter, which is another thing you want to think about if you want to have some really professional oh, setup. Yeah. But again, I, ultimately, really, I think for, for a lot of these things, as long as you don't use a microphone that's like built into your laptop or anything like that, it doesn't really matter. They say uh, if you yeah. use if you have like an iPhone or mm. something and and use the headphone uh, microphone combo that sort of comes with it and plug that into your computer, if that mm. works then that gives you a lot of good quality there. These microphones are actually really, really oh. quite powerful and quite clear when it comes to recording. And then you have the headphones mm-hmm. at the same time. And then yeah. I always say headphones, as I say, because sometimes you might get feedback. So you get the order coming out of the speakers of the other people who are talking to you. And then that obviously gets yeah. picked up by the microphone. And then that sort of creates sort of makes it harder than the audio editing as well because then you have to line up the tracks perfectly otherwise you get echoes and things like that and that's mm-hmm. obviously not so nice but yeah. ultimately it doesn't really matter it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. fancy if you do want to have some sort of professional equipment yeah. i always recommend looking on the buzz sprout website which is my favorite uh, go-to place for all these tips and tricks so again i put the link in the description of this uh, podcast mm-hmm. but that website has also podcasts mm-hmm. about podcasting <laughs> and there's lots of tips in there of what sort of equipment to get for different budgets as well because yeah you can spend hundreds of pounds on a super high definition microphone and whatever but yeah. you don't really need to do that if you're just starting out so uh, i think 
a lot of podcasts are not so much about the quality; they're actually about the content and the people and and what you're talking about and whether you're mm -hmm. talking to the right audience. So, and I, I don't know whether we're doing it right or not, mm -hmm. but it seems to be going okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we sound pretty good. We sound we sound a lot better than what we started. I know I started with a really cheap lapel microphone, the one you clip onto you, and it wasn't working out. It was really really quiet, if I remember correctly. And I found it really difficult to pick a microphone because I, I looked a lot online and, you know, the Internet's full of all kinds of information yeah. and none of it was actually directly helpful. I got a, like a, a mic that was recommended or whatever for podcasting, but it turned out it needed its, an external kind of plug in pack yeah. separate to your computer and stuff like that. And I didn't have any of that. I didn't return it. So I've, I've got something fairly basic at the minute. I think I have a. I have a blue snowball or whatever it is. It's a little short, but it works. And I only have to plug it in and I didn't have to set anything up. So I quite like the idea of the USB microphone. But I definitely, my voice sounds a whole lot better since I swapped. Yeah. Which, well, I suppose you can't be surprised, really. <laughs> Can you, you know, get a proper microphone? You sound better, unsurprisingly. But I, I agree with you. I don't think you have to spend a ton of money to, to sound to sound. No, and, and there's a lot of stuff you can actually do afterwards yeah. as well in the editing. So. You know, I think that for a lot of people who mm, do who that. do podcasts for the first time, they they might not be technically minded. And I'm quite lucky. I used to, um, and I probably should, I don't know. We're going a bit of sort of into my my history, but I used to record sort of radio shows and things uh, on on literally cassette tape in the good old days in the sort of 80s. If anyone remembers those days, Yay. if you were born then, mm -hmm. um, with with a, a good friend of mine, <laughs> and and we literally just recording stuff. So I'm used to sort of recording and editing and, and things like that. So when we got computers. Or when I got a computer, I actually started to use a software to edit things together, and so I'm, I'm quite used to it. But for someone who isn't, it, it can be quite daunting. Yeah. But again, I think if you're using something like Zencaster and you're recording stuff in one take, uh, which might seem scary, but might actually be the easy, easiest way of doing it because you don't need to then edit much. <laughs> and I found Zencast itself actually seems to improve the audio quality yeah. sort of out of the box. There's a little bit of uh, magic in there. And I think you can pay for additional mm -hmm. uh, tools as well if you want to pay for Zencaster. It's free basically for up to three people on, on a session. So, you know, when Antoinette and I do an interview with another person, we can mm -hmm. use Zencaster for free. Uh, and But yeah, if you pay for that, I think there's additional tools it does. So you, you can use a lot of online tools that edit the audio Audio, uh, well, not edited, but improve the audio quality and, mm. and do filters and things like that. Yeah. But if you want to go to the next mm. step and do a bit of editing yourself, uh, and especially if you have some sort of video editing background, obviously you can use your video tools for audio editing. There's usually, you know, some of them that are quite powerful and they have audio filters and things like that, obviously. But if you don't want to spend a lot of money, there's a lot of free software out there. Things like Audacity, and again, mm. put the links in the description, is free for, you know, PCs and I think or Linux machines as well, you know, Windows machines and Linux machines. And Macs usually come with uh, garage band or something like that there's That's there's basically right. a yeah. free tool on there mm -hmm. that you can use and there are again really powerful certainly for editing so if you want to cut things together cut things out mm -hmm. adjust the volume mm -hmm. it just comes out of the box and then there's usually filters as well so if you get background noise you can get rid of that quite easily you can you know as i say improve the sort of sound quality of it relatively easily with some of those free filters and and i, I do that as well and, and you probably you know end up having a sort of certain process that you do every time the certain steps you do for all your audio and then you just do the adjustment 
I suppose compared to other different types of content, um, podcast seems to be relatively straightforward. Uh, I say that I say that you kind of invert commas, but it's you know you you <laughs> when you re- you record. I think the the hardest bit I think is to do you know the talking part and you know make yourself interesting or yeah, create yeah. something that people want to listen to, and then after that it's just kind of editing it down, isn't it, into sizable chunks <laughs> and whatnot. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's been really fun to put this podcast together. I think we've and we've figured out a lot. Of the technical aspects on the go mostly actually thanks to oliver because he's brilliant at this kind of stuff so i'm glad i get to <laughs> just um, come along for the ride and just show up and have a chat yeah so yeah so that's that's kind of how we go about making it isn't it i was going to say yeah and, and you were just saying that podcasting is actually relatively easy to do certainly a lot easier than making videos mm. um like Antoinette is going to share with us very shortly <laughs> how that all works but oh. if you want to go the next step and put something out there even if you're just talking by yourself or, or talking with a mm. friend you know create a podcast is relatively easy there's lots of yeah. platforms out there which may seem daunting but as i say that bus proud website gives you lots of free tips to you know take yeah. your podcast to that level where people start listening to it yeah. but as i say what about video editing then because that <laughs> i know is a lot more involved than you know doing a podcast you know it, it is and it isn't <laughs> i'm gonna be honest because uh, i suppose i've only been making videos what maybe a year and a half now and i started knowing absolutely diddly squat i knew i knew absolutely nothing and the editing is i suppose <laughs> it's it's the part that obviously takes the most time but um yeah. it all really depends on what you've recorded first how easy it is to edit something yeah so i'm gonna i suppose i'm gonna i'm gonna just go through the steps i guess of what, of what i do when i make a video all right yeah kind of like kind of like we did with the podcast exactly. <laughs> so, well obviously i have a board game and i play it I, I play it up until the point where i feel like i could describe this to somebody else and i feel like i know the game well enough and that is very different from game to game as you you well know oliver yeah some games you can pick up very quickly and within a player or two you're like i got this down and other ones it's like the fifth or sixth play and you're like okay i'm getting to grips with it now so it, it all varies but i start by um making a script and when i originally started making videos i didn't have a script and i found it was very despite the fact that my videos are based on five things so i had things to focus on while i was talking without knowing specifically what i needed to say i found i would ramble a lot they would become very long and my videos focus on being short and informative and authentic and to the point that's basically what i want to do so i'll so i'll write my script to help me do that and under my five headings so when I'm actually um, recording on the day, I have two light boxes. Um, light is your friend. Light, light is the thing everybody should have in their videos. You can actually never have too much light. And I didn't think it mattered because I, I, start, <laughs> I started with just a little camera in like my little games room or whatever. And I, yeah. I had no lights whatsoever. And everyone talked about getting lights. And lights really change everything. And they're really, really cheap and they make everything you do look better so i can't stress the importance of lighting enough it's really difficult if you wear glasses to light yourself appropriately because you'll see the lights in your glasses right like i yeah. have to basically make i have to black out my entire room because you get my, the window reflected in my glasses and i have to set up the lights in a very specific way and i actually can't move my head a lot or you'll see all of the lights in my <laughs> yeah. glasses, which is really really pathetic and everyone goes oh just don't wear your glasses i'm like my glasses are my identity yeah who yeah. i am yeah. I couldn't go, I couldn't go without them so uh, lights amazing stuff um I have a really really awesome camera and I have a DLS or mirrorless or whatever it is called DLS or camera yeah. and it was 
crazy expensive and I debated forever whether or not I should make the leap from just a regular camera to one of these ones and it's the best decision I ever made I may still be paying for this camera but it was worth every penny because the minute I took photos with it everything looked professional like everything looked like I knew what I was doing and it's the same when it comes to video you know what it does most of the the work for you um, and you can adjust how light things are and all that kind of stuff with the camera okay and you don't need to know much to make things look good it's super amazing it was the best decision ever and it's got a flip out screen this is something people don't tell you when you're trying to make videos by yourself because yeah. you can't see yourself on the other side of the camera so i made no. three or four <laughs> videos where i cut my head off and i didn't even know oh, no. and so but i if you're starting out just mess with any old camera you have till you figure out what it is you're missing or that you wish you had and then go spend your money on something proper if that's what you're if you're really serious about it because by the time I got this camera I knew there was five things I specifically needed my camera to do and one of them was the flip out screen (laughs) okay so then you record and I panic and I freak out (laughs) I recommend don't try and fill them all in one take break it up into sections it makes it so much easier for editing and don't be afraid to make mistakes and to ramble and and all sorts of stuff until you can get the one you're happy with it's not always easy to be in front of a camera some people are better at it than others for me it takes time to settle in and whatnot and then this trick I discovered only like a month ago is that I generally found that I I turn off the camera recording when I got the section I wanted correct when I thought I'd taken my best take okay so I used to sit and go through all of my editing footage when really it was always the last bit that was the yeah, best yeah. take because <laughs> I'd, I'd stop I wouldn't keep going so that has saved me a lot in editing time uh the thing is I found that sometimes when you ramble you'll say really intelligent stuff that you hadn't you hadn't planned on saying so it can be worthwhile going through your footage but you'll kind of get a feel for it when you record so then if all the filming done hook it up to the computer and now the, the editing starts I use the Adobe suite I use Premiere Pro Actually, I've always used Premiere because a friend taught me how to use it. I have a friend who knows exactly how to do all this stuff. And she gave me a 10-minute lesson once. She taught me how to do like four things. And those four things have stuck with me forever. (laughs) And the first thing is label everything correctly in your folders. Make a file structure so that you'll always be able to find everything back. Number things in sequence and stuff like that for your different files and stuff like that. It really makes a big difference. And then the editing themselves, you can adjust how your video looks yet again only discovered this a couple of months ago um there are a thing called lut's which you can um download for free and put in over your video and they'll they're, they're basically a series of like lighting settings so you don't have to mess with all the light settings so much yourself and these are really really cool when you can find the right one now the problem is of course the internet's full of all these free ones and there's tons of them and you have to sit and test them all out to see which one suits you um but it's really really convenient and handy mm. for the editing part itself like you have to kind of you have to take your best takes and put them together and it's up to you to tell this whatever story you're trying to play or trying to say um putting in overlays and things like that are really helpful for people to know what section you're on or in your videos or to give more information and things like that um and all of these things kind of come over time like i have a set i have a set structure i go through now how to do everything but that only really comes with practice lots of good advice in there oh i hope so i don't know i've had to learn the hard way (laughs) 
<laughs> and I think I think a lot of the tips you put in there are actually also applicable to podcasts because yeah, uh, you know if the video footage is good, it's a lot easier to edit it together. Mm -hmm. Same with the audio footage. If, if you know if the audio is good, <laughs> yes. then it's easier to record. Mm -hmm. Recorded sections. Well, mm -hmm. that's what we're doing with the podcast as well. well that's what I like yeah. to do. Rather one long take. You know, little I sections agree. that you can cut together. You know what you're label them correctly, absolutely in sequence. <laughs> yes. Have your folder yep. structure. All yep. applies to podcasting mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of the <laughs> stuff definitely applies. Mm. <laughs> and you have your, you know, you've got your video filters, and oh, you know, yeah. so you've got your audio filters as well. Mm. So again, with all of these uh, like audacity, you can download additional filters as well to mm -hmm. do all sorts of things. But you know, oh. it's it, it as I say, a lot of it applies. But I think what stands out the difference between podcasts and videos is the the ease or what's easier. Mm on or what's harder so you described obviously with you set up your lighting you set up your camera you set up your angles oh. and all that you have to shoot things oh. if you have to reshoot things you have to make sure that the lighting is the same that you sit yes. in the same way that it all fits otherwise suddenly you know the background yeah. might have changed has moved things mm. whereas with podcasting if we need to re-record something well we just re-record yeah. it the audio that's might true. be slightly different mm -hmm. but most of the time people don't notice and that's Again, yeah. you know, I do respect people who make videos compared to audio. Oh, I mean, nothing yeah. against people who do podcasts. I love doing podcasts. Yeah. There's a lot of work going into it. Yeah. But you can see why making videos is so much more work because if it goes well, it's wonderful. But mm. if it doesn't, trying to re-record things. Uh, and, mm. and as you say, you're probably doing a lot more takes in your video yes. than we do with, well, than anyone probably does with podcasts. podcasts. It's, mm. it's a lot easier. Um, unless you're doing like a radio play where you <laughs> might do several takes to get the, you know, the yeah. feeling and the emotions and everything absolutely mm. right. But True. most of the time, you know, video work is, is more much more like film work than podcasting is literally more mm. like having a chat. So no, thanks it for sharing is. all those. That's very useful. Oh, that's cool. well, you people... make you, you make videos too, you know. You you make videos too. You just you do them quite different to me. I I do, but um, yeah, I've, I've, I'm sort of not doing them as much anymore. To me, it's it's all about the time. And as I say, mm -hmm. making videos takes so much more time. When I first yeah. started doing them, I literally just used an online tool and and stuck some photos and some videos in there, and and mm. you know had a soundtrack, and there was no recording. It was literally just you know a, more like mm -hmm. a slideshow. And then I started recording stuff. Um and trying to edit all that but it's it's a huge amount of time and you know i, I haven't even invested in lighting and then the upside obviously <laughs> lighting makes a difference and everyone loves my lovely um uh, tablecloth as well that appears behind things your tablecloth. <laughs> i love your tablecloth i have a unique style that's that's for sure <laughs> background matters i have a unique style but yeah. i don't know how good or bad it is I, I, as i say i don't think mm -hmm. i don't consider myself as a you know, professional video mm. maker my thing is is about the blogs and the podcasts. I like it. <laughs> well, you, you're certainly more professional than I am. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I just think we're different styles. You know. You know what I mean. I think there's a lot of skill into not being on screen yourself and making a video. Okay. You know. I. You know. I get to sit there and have a chat or whatever. You have to really think about what people see. Yeah. Um, how you record it and stuff like that, and then do the voiceover to go yeah. with it. Like that's a skill in itself too. Don't, don't 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 talk it down. <laughs> it's very true. It's hard work. <laughs> that is true. Mm. But to me, it, it all stems from the blog. So mm. and we're going to talk about blogs in yeah, a minute and writing it. reviews and things. Yeah. And, and that's that's where by you know where I started. You know, my my mm. aim was always just to make a blog. All the other stuff sort of came out of that. Yeah. Because obviously, if you make a video, if you have a script, that helps. And my reviews <laughs> sort of where my scripts in a way i mean me reading out sort of decided what shots i needed and mm -hmm. how i'm going to set things up mm -hmm. yeah the, the writing of blogs is my main thing and i don't know what 
tips to give people because it, <laughs> it really depends on what you're doing. So I publish two blog articles a week. That's a so lot. one is just a topic discussion where I literally talk about something that I've I've read about that seems to be talked about in the industry, something that interests me, mm. uh, something, you know, that that just just a topic that's come up. And that tends to be relatively easy because it is literally just sort of me talking about something that that I'm interested in mm. and uh, you know the, the information I found out sort of is piled into it and because it's a written medium again editing I think is even easier than podcasts or videos <laughs> because you don't have to worry about microphones and things like that literally True. just do copy and paste you can move things around there's no you know, don't have to cut it exactly so that there's a smooth transition or anything like that. So if you want to really start with something really basic, then do do your own blog and, and you know, blog hosting. You can get anything like WordPress websites and things like that, and you can usually start it for free. So that's really easy. And, and the skill really more is in the writing. And I think I'm quite lucky because I've been writing uh, sort of fiction uh, for a lot, large chunk of my life, just as a hobby. I mean, I've I've yeah. published, uh, self-published a couple of books as well, but nothing oh. sort of major. It's, it was more a hobby. So I've, I've been doing that for a, a long time because I enjoy doing it as well. That's probably where the difficulty is with with writing a blog, the, the, the sort of skill set you need. And I do recommend people who want to do it more seriously, go on a sort of writing course, not as in handwriting, but, you know, it's like a creative writing course yeah. and things like that. You'll probably find that your local college runs sort of evening classes that you can attend. And I've done the same. And there's lots of mm. tips and tricks there. Also read other people's blogs and, and yes. see what style they're using. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, really, you have to find your own voice. And I think that's mm. probably the hardest bit to find a style. But don't let that put you off. I think just start writing and, and see how that goes. As I say, you can keep editing stuff uh, until you're really happy with it a lot more easily. You can spend a couple of hours editing something and you end up with something that you really enjoy. So that's yeah. that's a topic. That's really good. And then um, the other thing I'm doing is a review of games. And that's obviously huge led by the games that I have available. <laughs> and yes. like Antoine was saying, you you have to have them played. You have to know how they work and you can't just you know play it once and, and that's it really. You yeah. do need to play them a few times. Mm -hmm. So that that can take time and depends on who's available I can play these games with. So yeah. sometimes my friends probably secretly curse me that I'm bringing you games because I want to play it so I can review it. <laughs> and that, again, that tends to be a bit more structured because, you know, you can probably copy other structures from from other reviews. So it's about, okay, what is the game about? Um, how does it work? And then what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? You can accompany it with some photos and, and things like that. So I think doing reviews is probably easier to start with i'm not saying it's necessarily easier to write really but yeah. if you have never written stuff before then it's probably easier than doing some creative writing because that can be a bit more complex because there's not much structure well there is some structure to it but mm -hmm. not not so much and then again see how that you know how that goes and where that takes you because you'll find with podcasts with videos and with written reviews there's so many different styles and again you have to find your own voice um and and see you know what works for you because it's, it's you know it's easy just to have the sort of the specs of the game you know one to two players takes 40 to 60 minutes you know it's about yeah. this here are the mechanisms you know basically sort of <laughs> describing the rule book which which is fine because i think it's it's useful to have that if, you, if you're mm -hmm. thinking about buying a game you do want to know all these things but there are obviously a lot of people out there who do that so you probably want to then sort of take it to the next step and maybe talk about other things and, and make it a bit more unique but as i say that's 
true with blogs as it is with podcasts mm. as it is with videos and any other <laughs> content you're creating as as a content creator <laughs> so yeah uh, it's funny or you can or you can do what i did which is that i can't find the video i want to watch or the board game review that i would like there's a hole here somewhere so i'm going to create it myself instead yeah i yeah. like very much actually what you said what you said about writing i've done i've done quite a bit of writing myself oddly enough not for um not for my my blog or my website but i do have two brilliant tips that i always got from kind of studying in college and things like that and even for creative writing is that the first tip that everyone always told me is write about what you know yeah you'll always know that subject best and the other and this is horrifically true and i do it in all city actually making my videos is that make something don't worry how bad it is or what how terrible it is write something down because then you'll have something to edit afterwards if you write nothing you've nothing to work with so it doesn't matter if it's terrible yeah. get it out write it down and then you can mold it into something better that that's absolutely true that's <laughs> something you learn quite early on is, is literally just start mm. writing and yeah. in fact one of the tricks mm. um, i learned on the creative writing course is what you're supposed to do is literally spend the first 20 seconds take a pen and a piece of yeah. paper and just write. write literally don't stop anything it could be squiggles it could be words because the idea is that you then clear mm -hmm. your mind because you, your mind will be going and thinking mm -hmm. about all sorts of things but once you got all that out then you, you've got your you know calm mind if you like and you can actually focus on the writing mm -hmm. but definitely once you've gone over that write something down start with something or, or yeah. even don't start mm -hmm. with something go in the middle somewhere it, that's a good thing mm -hmm. about i think writing you can start yes. at the end you can start in the middle you can start at the beginning you can write around it and you can mm -hmm. keep going over it you know one of the, the things with creative writing quite often is you, you start with a very rough sort of first draft and then you keep layering things more and more in so you might then you know just have the first bit is just the this is the scene this is what's happening here and then you add uh, characters and then you add the mood and then you add the you know the the, the feelings and you can just add more and more things into it which i think that's why i like writing it's it's a lot harder mm -hmm. to do in something like a, a podcast or video layering mm -hmm. things in i mean with video yeah. work maybe you can obviously add effects and you can change the you know the, the color balance and all that so you can add a bit of the sort of the extra yeah. feelings but literally with, with writing you know you, you can start with a few words and keep editing them and keep changing them keep molding them so it's, it's more i think much more of a creative process in the sense of yeah. molding something mm -hmm. more like a, a you know working with clay or something like clay. that i think people compare yes. writing with working with clay so you can mold it and you can change it and, and it's very easy whereas with podcasts and video work you do sort of have to have a, a very rough idea at least of what you're trying to achieve because it's very yeah. hard then mm -hmm. molding it later and changing it so yeah. Yes. Oh, that's very philosophical. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's entirely, entirely true. So so now you guys hear, I suppose, how, how our processes go behind the scenes, kind of how, how we make things. Um, hope it's helpful to somebody. I know when I was starting out, I, I was really curious to hear how people made their stuff or how it was put together to give you ideas where to start. So hopefully somebody finds this mm. helpful helpful somewhere it's cool actually hearing how you write your pieces um i think that's actually really interesting <laughs> I, I it's nice to hear what kind of what, what goes in behind them because you know people normally only get to see the end product 
you don't see all the hours and the yes, effort yeah. and things like that that went into yeah. it. And especially yeah. with writing, like you said, there's nothing really to hide behind in writing. Like in a video, you can make it look better, you can make it sound better, you can do all these things. But with writing, mm, it's mm. right there in front of you, and this is it. And yeah. and it's either you know it, it's right or it's, it's wrong. And you have to be very careful how you convey the information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's cool actually how all the medium, um, the different types of media really do convey things in very kind of different ways, and how easy or hard they are to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. all have their challenges and they all have their advantages. Uh, yeah. So, but just mm-hmm. as we said, just just give it a go and see what works for you. If you want to try it, mm, just just make a out. start. Um, and you know, if you have any questions, please do let us know. You can yeah. find us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. All the links are in the description. You can comment yeah. on this podcast if you mm-hmm. listened to it on on our blog or. Even if you're on, you know, Apple Podcast, you can leave a review there. Um, so we're bleeding oh, into the yeah. end section now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, we may as well get to the point where we're like, please love us, you know, validate yeah. us. <laughs> but if, yeah, you know what? Um, advice is free. Yeah, just let us know if you have any questions and we're, yeah. we're happy to help where we can. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, definitely. Uh, anything I can help with, let me know. I, I'm o- I'm always available to help. So, so help where out. can people find you then if you're leading into the end? Oh, if we're leading into the end, we'll go we'll go right to the end. Where can people find me? Um, you can find me as BG Inquisition on Twitter or Board Game Inquisition most places. Inquisition's a kind of a weird word to have a board game, so I'm kind of easy to find. Yes, yes. <laughs> so if you want to come say hi, or you just want to know a little bit more about what I do, yeah, I'd love I'd love to meet you. Come say hi. What about you, Oliver? Where where do we find all all your wonderful things? Well, the the best place, as I always say, is the website tabletopgamesblog.com. They, they, I'm also mm-hmm. on Twitter, very active. It's Tabletop Games Blur because Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but if you search for Tabletop Games Blog <laughs> on Twitter, you'll you'll find yeah. that as well. As I say, otherwise, go to the website. Mm-hmm. I have a YouTube channel, but as I said, I'm not doing much video work there now. But the podcast oh, is where like I'm focusing videos. now, and Instagram. But Ooh. you know, the main thing is Twitter. You can find me there. And as I said, all the links are in the description of this podcast. Excellent. So so thank you for joining us for another episode. This was, this was pretty fun. And we've got more episodes lined up for the future. We do. It's exciting stuff coming your way. So do tune in again. And in the meantime, as we said, love us, yep. send us some stars and leave reviews and <laughs> share it with friends. Yep. We, we'd love to be out there for everyone. Yeah, we're not needy at no. all. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. And um, until next time, I guess, um, take care. Um, yes. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye.